Welcome to Retain FM. They say that hindsight is a brilliant thing. After nearly two decades of working in creative and digital agencies, in this episode Pete outlines the process he would go through if he had to start it all again today. Hello and welcome to this episode of Retain FM. I am your host Pete and today we're going to break down what I would do if I had to start my digital agency all over again today. But before we get into that, firstly, if you're new to the show, uh, welcome. You're de- I'm delighted you're here. You're more than welcome to come and uh, consume this content, hopefully get some advice from it. And if you want to engage more with our community, please head over to our Facebook group at peteverett.com forward slash group or search Facebook for Retain FM. And there's a lovely bunch of us over there uh, where we have a safe space where we can talk all stuff agency in and get some advice and some helpful tips in an environment where we're not going to be judged. So that's the first thing. Secondly, if you are one of those new people or you've been listening for a while and you do get value from these episodes, please hit subscribe in your podcast player of choice or on Facebook if you're watching a YouTube episode. And, uh, you know, it really means a lot to me to know that this content is helping people uh, where they need it or in the format that they can consume it. So please do that as well. Okay, if I had to start my digital agency again today, what would I do? Now, these aren't necessarily in chronological order, although there's maybe a bit of an order to them, I suppose, in terms of the priority. The first thing, though, that I would do is I would look inwards. And I'd ask myself the question, look yourself in the mirror and say, hey, Pete, what do you want? What sort of lifestyle do you want? What interests do I have? How much money do I want to make on an annual basis, on a decadely basis? And ultimately, am I wanting to build an agency that I want to sell? Or am I just wanting to build a business that is going to pay our bills over the months so that uh, it can support a lifestyle or type of lifestyle that I want to keep? Do I want to be in a particular location? Do I want to have staff and manage staff? Ultimately, the crux of this is how do I want this business to serve me? What does that look like? There's, I came to a realization not too long after starting my agency that actually, you know, I'm a guy at the time I was in my mid 30s, now in my almost 40s. Um, and I have, I had small children at the time, they're getting bigger every day. And they go to school each day. And actually, whilst the Monday to Friday nine to five thing sounds a bit dull, you know what? It worked with our life because that fits in around school hours most of the time. So that was, I engaged with that nine to five lifestyle and just kind of accepted it because it worked with the rhythm of life that we had at the time. That's not necessarily the rhythm of life that I would like to have for the rest of my life. But for now, it serves a purpose. But that's the type of lifestyle, as I say, that works for us. In terms of location, I could probably be in other places right now, I'll be honest. But you know what? We're in a great place in the city that we live. We've got great access to great schools for the kids. So you know what? Again, for now, this location serves us well. So how does that look for you? If you could just dream for a minute, accept that you've got to work 
because otherwise you wouldn't be starting the business in the first place. But accept that you've got to work. What would the lifestyle that you want around that work look like? Because ultimately, our businesses should be the way we work to live, not live to work. So how does that look for you? The next thing I'd ask is, where can I make a difference? And that needs to evolve either around my existing skill set or a skill set I'm prepared to learn. Now, if I'm prepared to learn something, that's great, but it does mean I'm not going to be able to charge a premium for it straight away. So how am I going to bridge that gap? And how can those things have a commercial impact on businesses that I can help, i.e. my clients? So that could be either a particular type of uh, type of work. So maybe you do brochure sites or e-commerce sites, or maybe you do SEO for B2B clients, for example. Or it might be a particular niche. So to say that actually, you know, I don't know, maybe in your former life, you were a wedding photographer. And actually, now you do websites, but you can really, you know, you understand the challenges that wedding photographers have in running their businesses and operating them online. So how do how can you make a difference and who can you make a difference to? Then the third thing I would do is then look at my two lists. So at this point, I have two lists, two independent lists. And I would firstly see if any of them cross over. Because, you know, things that interest you, let, let's let's take interest. I love skiing. I absolutely love going skiing. It, it helps me switch off. I love being in the mountains. I love the fresh air. I I love the fact that your your whole body is involved in it, and you you your mind can just drift away into sort of not worrying about the rest of the world, but just worrying about getting down this run. Absolutely love it. Would so. I could look at that in one of two ways. I could ask myself two questions about it. The first is, do I want to keep that as my escape so it has nothing to do with work, in which case it needs to come straight off the list? Or the second is, actually, do I love it that much that I want it to become my work? Or will that spoil it for me? So you need to, you you could weigh things up like that. The second thing that you then want to look at, though, is, by the time you've maybe eliminated certain things because actually you want to keep them for personal enjoyment rather than for a work-based activity, I would then look at whether any of the things that I've mentioned line up with a cash-rich industry. So that could be either legal or it could be uh, something like jewellery or financial services or events or largely any industry where the companies within it are used to spending money to make money, where there's some kind of investment. Something like, it's a little random, but something like haulage is a great place, a great place to go. For Here's, here's a prime example. Uh, I've worked with a number of architects firms. Now, architects generally don't use websites to make their sales. Not too much, anyway. The webs- A website to an architect is normally like a brand validation type tool. They don't generate a lot of cold leads from it. They, the vast majority of their leads come either from commercial partners or from referrals. So, yeah, the, the website isn't that important. And because of that, they don't really like spending a lot of money on it. I've also built websites in the building trade for um, 
building supplies companies. Now, they deal with product. They're far more uh, an e-commerce business, essentially. That, that's basically the sites that we built. Um, and they absolutely... Um, okay, it's maybe not comparing apples with apples. It was an e-commerce site versus a lead gen site. The e-commerce sites normally integrate with some kind of back-end system. They're a slightly different animal. But my point is that those people that are used to spending money because they have to buy product, they they understand or there's a far less barrier to them spending money to prospect for more sales. Whereas those people that don't spend a lot of money on marketing, they often don't spend, uh, don't want to spend a lot of money because they don't see the value of it directly in their bottom line. So that's really the industries that you want to look at. I've called them cash-rich industries. Of course, that's going to change across the world, depending on where you are. But do any of my lists, either the things that I'm interested in and the things that will help me make the money that I want to make and the locations I want to be in, or and the skill sets that I have or that I'm prepared to learn, do they cross over into any of those industries that have those, you know, does anything marry up there? And if that is the case, then that is where I'm going to start. That's going to be my first niche. From there, I can then, this is now the fourth thing that I'll do, is I'll go and create my proposition and alongside that, my product or service. And they will be literally a product or a service. And here I will structure how I can help you and why that is going to benefit you and how we can work together over a period of time. And I will have within that both recurring and non-recurring options. Some things will be purely standalone, but actually maybe they sit in a process. So whilst they're standalone, you know, you might have two or three things that follow a, follow a system and you can go through that. And others will be recurring services, uh, you know, recurring options where we can work together for a longer period of time on a monthly basis. And I will set all of that out to minimum viable product level, MVP level. Now, so far, that's all great. I've got a plan. I've got a target audience. I might have a brand name by now. I've got product uh, or a service and a, a mechanism that somebody can work with me. But with all of this, it's all theory. Now, actually, if I was doing this, you know, I wouldn't necessarily spend a lot of time on this. We're talking maybe half a day or a day, you know, take yourself off to a coffee shop or a spot where you're creatively inspired and you could you could do this really quite quickly in the grand scheme of things. Um or you could spend a lot more time on it as well if you wanted to, but you do, you don't have to. Because all you're trying to get to is a product that is at MVP level so that you can start to sell it. Because, uh, you know, this is an old adage that we've heard over and over again. Every business idea is only an idea until you have a customer. In fact, I go more than that to say, actually, you need customers. Finding one person stupid enough to buy, buy your MVP from you isn't impossible. Finding half a dozen, that's a slightly different task. So, you have customers is where I would go with it. Now, how would I find those customers? So here's the fifth thing I would do. Now that I'm armed with my new business, my product or my service, and who I am going after, I would then go and network. Now, 
the things I wouldn't do is I wouldn't start creating loads of content and I wouldn't worry about loads of SEO. I might have checked that there's enough search volume for it in the future, but I wouldn't, that's not where I would start in terms of my networking and attracting clients space. I wouldn't start with my social media. I wouldn't start by creating a very complicated email funnel. Why? Well, the reality is all of that stuff is great. And I'm going to need to look at that over a period of time, but it's not fast. And right now, where I am at the end of stage four, moving into stage five, which is networking, is I need to validate these ideas and I need to do that quickly because if it's a bad idea, I need to go back to step three and remap remap stuff out. The the way that I can do that quickly is to meet people face-to-face. So I will find local groups or national groups. I might invest in going to a conference uh, that's that's of the target market that I'm looking at. I'd see who was advertising there. I would go around and see the, you know, the stands and, and who's... Um, uh, what they're offering and what types of businesses they are go and introduce myself i probably would have had some business cards made and the other thing i would do is i would make sure i was collecting details so don't just go and hand a card over but get a personal contact of somebody in their sales team or somebody ideally if you can somebody that you know's got decision making power that's that's where the real kind of crux of it is sometimes quite difficult to do that at a conference i get it but make some kind of um effort to get a name and then I would get in touch with them with a few days after that conference in order to make some more contact and and take things from there but yeah meet people face to face because it's fast and what you're trying to do is get six people minimum of six people to buy your MVP now in order to do that you need to be clear about what you do and who you do it for that also means you need to be clear about what you do not do and what who you don't do it for. So this is about proving the MVP. The MVP doesn't work if you then start to water it down just to get a sale. And look, I, I hate myself for saying this almost. I understand that it's dead easy to turn down work when you have money coming in. I get it. When you're starting a brand new business that is not going to, you know, it's far harder to to do that. You need the money. But if I was starting my agency again right now, I would understand that that is an investment in my business. To say no to that is opening up the opportunity for me to say yes to something else, which is going to prove my MVP and help me grow quicker. So I know it's really hard. Um, and I'm not for one instant criticizing people that have watered down services or tweaked services or even said, hey, they'll do something new just in order to get a sale. But that is, that's what I'd do. So I would network and then I would make sales. And the, look, here's, here's the way I look at it. With my first, once I've got five or six customers, that first half a dozen, I can start to make improvements on my MVP because I've got enough takes on it. I've had enough experience now of how my product fits into different businesses that actually I can start to see where its own strengths and weaknesses are. 
Once I've had 10 customers, I can start to make processes so that, you know, I've now been through it enough. I know it inside out enough that I can start to actually document the way that things happen so that if I want to, I can either get somebody else involved to help uh, to help me at a future, you know, down the line, or I can certain things can then become autopilot because I don't need to think about them so much because they're already documented. So I can start to make processes on that improved service. And then when I have 20 or more customers, I can then start to delegate, as I said, using those processes because now not only have I written them, but I've also tested them myself on another 10 clients um, and tweaked them as I go. I can then start to delegate if I want to. If you don't want to, if you want, you know, if your dream is to be a single person agency owner, a solopreneur, then that is absolutely fine. And you don't need to delegate, absolutely. But that is where I would go and then the final thing I would do as well I say final concurrently while I'm doing this I was is I would also make sure I'm doing something towards making a sale every single day and in the last episode we just talked about how we can do a business development task every single day we are in business so that is in a nutshell that is how I would get going I would then, there's two more things I would then do if I was to start my agency again today. And these are things that I do now and I do with my existing business. The first is review, refine, rescope, and repeat. So now I can't really set a time frame on when I would do this. We do this in my agency every six months. We have a a team day or a team call. Uh, I get together with my business partner and we go through it together. Um, but you need to do it when it feels right to you. And particularly when you're starting up and you're, you're, you know, every client is so important and, you know, clients will come. No, clients won't ever organize themselves into a nice steady stream for you. They will always come like buses where you get half a dozen at once and then a, a dry spell. So you've got to fit it in around that as well. And I get it. But I would ask these questions. When the time feels right and I'm going to review things, I would ask these questions. Firstly, does it deliver for the client? Secondly, is it working for me? Thirdly, is my price right or can that be improved or is it too expensive? Fourthly, can I be more efficient? Fifthly, how do I serve more people? And then the final thing is when should I review this again? And that becomes my target for my next iteration if you like my next cycle now within that you could also add in i you know i mentioned review refine rescope and repeat rescope is a, is an important one because actually that allows you to firstly take a look at the product that you're already offering and see whether that fits you know is that still a good fit to the market that we're trying to target but it also says also gives you the ability to look at additional products or services that may complement or contrast the product or service that you have and that is the point where you could then start looking adding a second service and a third service and so on and actually build up a suite of products that can either build up on each other or maybe work in a different niche or whatever it might be so that's how i would review things over a period of time and then the final thing is to keep an eye on company value now this is something that only you will know but you need to decide whether you are building something 
that you will ever want to sell. You know, you may want to have a business that serves you, pays your bills, keeps you in the lifestyle you're accustomed to, pays off the mortgage, contributes to a pension, and then at the end of it, you know what, it just gets shut down, and that's the end. And that's perfectly fine. If that's your goal, if that's your vision, if that's how you want it to work, great, go for it. Just go for it. You can take this pressure off. You can stop this podcast right now, and because this is the last point, and you can, you know, great, I'll see you next week. If, however, you don't want to do that, if you want to build something that you may want to sell, then you need to keep an eye on how the company operates from right now. Now, that means that your job is maybe a little harder right now, but it means that you're potentially chasing a bigger payout, a bigger goal further down the line. You know, whether you're looking for a six or seven figure buyout sum at the other end, because actually, you know what, that is going to be your retirement pot. That is what is going to, you know, um, project you into your next life where you might be thinking about grandkids and and all of that kind of stuff. It's maybe going to allow you to buy that dream dream home or villa or yacht or whatever it might be that you and your partner have always dreamed of. That what it's going to do for you is is up to you. But in order for that to happen, you need to have developed a company that will be able to operate away from you. If you are the company, you can't sell yourself. So you need to develop the processes, the people, the infrastructure around it so that you can be phased out. It may be a phase out. Nobody's saying that it has to operate without you tomorrow. But if you want to sell it, you need to be able to phase yourself out of the processes that you are involved in so that a new owner can take it forward and ultimately pay you handsomely for it. And that, in a nutshell, is what I would do if I had to start my digital agency again today. I'd love to know if that's resonated with you. I'd love to know if you know if you think I've missed anything or if you would do anything different to how I have explained it. And if you want to engage in that conversation, please head over to our Facebook group, pdeverett.com forward slash group. If I don't see you in the group, I will see you in the next episode.